0: Thank you for tuning in to the mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode for me because I had met our guest during the pandemic. Devin LeSassier happens to be my barber, and over the course of the last couple of years, I've been able to call him a friend, as is the case with many barber-client relationships. Devin and I have gotten to know each other pretty well. You know, he's been coming into my home. You know, I love the personal service that we've developed through throughout uh, you know the, the COVID period, and as a result, I've gotten to know a lot about Devin as a person, a lot of his journey, how he got into cutting hair, and over the course of time, I've learned that his story truly correlates with the pit to peak narrative that we're trying to push forward with the mile 40 podcast. So before we dive in, Devin, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. So Devin, you told me that you started cutting hair at 10 years old. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I started cutting hair young because my mom cut me and my younger brother and you know, she used to just like give us a haircut and a beating at the same time. So (laughs) It wasn't it wasn't fun, but what got me to cutting hair was I was in class, and I saw a haircut and it inspired me, and I kind of, and I knew for some reason I just went underneath the bed. My mom kept the clippers underneath the bed, so I went underneath the bed, grabbed the clippers, and then I cut my little brother. And um, when I cut my little brother, that kind of changed everything. And my mom saw. The haircut. My dad saw that I did what I did, and he got clippers for me for Christmas. And from that point, I had another idea in my head where I said, "Let me open up my own shop in in my closet," which was inspired by my older brother who had like a he like made a fort in his closet, and I was like inspired by that. So I was like, hmm, "Well, I'll put the barber shop in my closet," and then so. I had one of my friends, one of my best friends, Ralph uh, Iorio. He was my first client. He came to my house. I got $5, hours, you know, and he, I cut his hair. And uh, my dad filmed it, actually. So I think that filmed somewhere. But um, yeah, so that's how I started cutting. And then my mom had a daycare. So I cut the little kids and I would practice on them. And then Went from that. Uh, one of the one of the, the, the ladies, one of the mothers of the kids was like, oh, I'll pay you back, but I'm going to pay you back a certain way. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring something for you. And she made my first cards. So she came she paid me back by giving me her cards so I can get other clients. So I just started giving her haircuts, son, haircuts free. But he had a low haircut. It was like a low Caesar. So it was quick, you know. Yeah. It's just a matter of him sitting still, you know. But um, yeah, so I just, I started right out of the rights from young, you know, just inspired, just saw a haircut and just picked up the clipper, grabbed the clippers. And and then later on, I realized that, you know, it's, it's a tool to make money. And, you know, I started cut. I was cutting hair since since junior high you know, all through high school. By the time I got to high school, I was buying all my school clothes from my friends coming to my house. You know, I started working in a barber shop ever in that time during high school. And uh, yeah, I just started, I started young. <laughs>
0: so at that point, you know, what was the breakdown between the love of cutting hair, you know, the actual trajectory of, I want to grow up and I want to become a barber and, you know, I really want to build my name or more so was it the appeal of, Hey, like I can make a living off this. Like, you know, this is a good hustle, you know, and I could really kind of build my own personal status, you know, financially because of this, was there a trade-off there or, you know, was it not even running through your mind at that point?
1: There was a trade-off. It took a couple, it was kind of weird how it happened. Like I said, like I, I saw, it was like more like an art, like a, You know obviously now i know it was a gift but back then i didn't you know so i kind of it was it was it's like okay so i saw it as okay let me just do this you know something to do like art right yeah and then i got like then it became work once it became work and i never forget this i was cut i just three years i was like oh I I can't be doing this. You know, I got tired of it. I got like something I got weirded out once once I once I once the feeling of art, you know, changed to work. It it gave me like it was like a good three years. I'll never forget those three years out of my whole cutting career that I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. But then but then something clicked and was like, no, this is your bread. This is this is your thing. And once it clicked, it was over after that, you know, then a whole then the structure came of everything, everything, every kind of angle of everything started to happen. And that kind of changed. But I did have that moment where it was like, okay, do I want to be like, am I, am I going to be, is it, am I, is this going to be, am I going to be used with this or am I, well, am I going to make it? I don't know. I just, it was a, that feeling was like, I'm not sure, you know, but then when I kind of connected with me, it was like, wait, you have a gift. And you can make money like both at the same time. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, when you get older, like I had, to, I got older, you know, I was younger, you know? And um, because I, I started to see people like not physically work and make a certain amount of money. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, I got to physically work. But well, some people don't physically work and make a ton of money, you know? I was like, wait. So, but then as I did it, it can't be like the more I started to cut hair. Right. So it was all a a thing of growing, you know, I was young. So the mentality, but then it, it, then it was a whole nother thing where once I got better, then I was like, wait a minute. Now I got the angles. Now I can make, okay. Now there's a time thing where you can cut faster. How many heads can I do in a certain amount of time? Boom. Oh, and then I started adding up the numbers and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then all the time I was getting better and better and better. And as I got better, then it became like challenging. Like then I became like, then I started to work on certain styles, certain hair types, textures, like then I got involved with it. And then the more I got involved with it, the more things started to come about, you know, Um, hair products, like all different, you know, then the styles of cutting, you know, because I mastered the fade, but then I was always weak with the scissors, you know, and that's the thing with the barber. Um, like most barbers aren't that good with scissors. Bar- I'm going to say most barbers are probably good with scissors now, but back in the day, most barbers just use clippers, yeah. you know, and they didn't have the scissor technique unless you started with the scissors or kind of like started cutting hair in a salon or something like that. where you learned it, you know, on, and a stylist too, hairstylist, they don't know how to use the clippers, So it's like the opposite for them. And then they're like, look at that barbers, like, oh, how did you do that? Because they can cut with the scissors just like we can cut with the clippers, you know? So I worked in the barbershop for a good 10 years before I worked in the salon, you know? And once I worked in the salon, then I really found out, you know, how to... uh, you know, use the scissors in different ways and different people, different styles. And, you know, the same way I learned with the clippers, like I would see, I met different barbers, different barbers have different techniques. So, and I met some great barbers in my life. So I take, I can name different barbers where they were good at, what they taught me, what I, you know, this guy Mm -hmm. named Slim, there's a number, there's a three and a half guard. Okay. And then he's like, this is the icing on the cake. You know, cause it goes from one, two, three, but then there's the one and a half. Yeah. You know, that one and a half is a big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's like, it was like, there was a line there always from the one to the two, There was no in between. Right. So there was that one and a half. It was like, this is the icing on the cake. <laughs> I mean, he, he was right. He was so right. Because once you hit that one and that, it was like, it was all Then you see the shine on the fade. It was just crazy. The blend was amazing. And that right there, that's just like little tools. Like, I'm like, man, you know, started using that. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I got stories for days, but.
0: Well, uh, you talk about how, you know, there was that balance between work and art. And I could say that now, um, you know, again, knowing you most recently, you know, you you were talking about a period that was what, like 20, 25 years ago now, right Mm -hmm. now, you know, I, I, I could see you out there as an artist, the way that you kind of work with your clients, the way that you tell your story, the way that you pick your clients, the way that you present your clients. Even before you and I got on the podcast, you told me to get up and put some uh, <laughs> some product in my hair. Uh, and, and so, you know, you're proud of your work. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for the audience out there, it's important to kind of point out that certainly wasn't a straight path for you. Right. It's, you know, you had a passion for, um, for hair, um, and for capitalizing on this skill that you uncovered at a younger age, but, you know, as we kind of dive in, um, you had a couple of years of tribulation, um, you know, between then and now, um, you know, I recall you telling me that, um, uh, your, your first child came about at a younger age. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So at the same time that I was, you know, learning my, you know, the cutting hair, different techniques and stuff like that. I also, um, was, you know, it, it, dating, you know, as a kid and trying to figure stuff out. And, and I ended up getting my girlfriend pregnant. She proposed to me proposed to pro proposed to me i literally came home from, i was in the barbershop come how home. Old, how friends. old were you i was sit, i was 15 years old because okay. we we were i was my birthday it was it was like i had my birthday and then then march 96 my daughter came okay you know right after like my birthday's in december okay so after my birthday the new year's and then 96, you know, so she came and so it was like I was, I was still 15. I didn't even realize I thought I was 16. But yeah, we got, so I was married at 15. Our parents had to sign, our moms had to sign to get us because we were too young to get married. But wow. her family was like, you have to, you know, with her religion and everything. She was like, I have to be married before I have a child. So yeah. I thought I was being a man. I was like, okay. So she proposed to me and I said, yes. So So ninety six, I had my daughter. Ninety seven, I had my son, and um, and you're just cutting hair right now. Just cutting hair, and I'm still in high school, right? So that was like eleventh grade, you know. Then I end up leaving because now I got kids, right? So eleventh, twelfth grade, having kids, and then um, what happened? So then, so after I had my kids, uh. I dropped out. Those the first two. Right. I dropped out in like my last year of school, high school, because now I'm full, fully cutting hair in the barbershop, making money all day, taking Mm -hmm. care of my kids. My mom is a daycare mother. So the kids were good. I just get up and go to work. She was really good in school. So she was like she graduated honors with two kids, you know, and then she still was able to keep. So I was kind of like, okay, you, you do the school stuff and I'm already, I'm already in my craft, you know, so yeah. I'm good, you know, I'll provide. Yeah. And that's what I was always doing. So by the time I was 19, I moved out with my yeah. two kids into my own apartment, which I got, I worked, got myself. Then I got an apartment right around from right around the corner from the barbershop. Yeah. So now we're living together 99. All right. And, and 2000 comes we had twins all right so twins in 2000 on this on the 22nd day of
0: august so now you're about 20 years old with four kids
1: with four kids working full-time at the barbershop making making like four to six hundred dollars a week okay okay and she is you know going to she was like a she's always jumping from different jobs right she couldn't keep Steady work at a job. She was like a nurse, you know, um, not a nurse, but she was like a always worked in the hospital field. So like fr- reception stuff like sure. that, right? Because she was trying to go to be a doctor. She was getting in that medical field. So, um but fast forward, it didn't work out. We end up splitting. Um, we went through a,
0: a, a divorce. How old were you approximately around then?
1: Now I'm like 22. Okay. Right, and then. I meet someone else, my daughter's mom Mm -hmm. and me and her start dating, but she's going through a divorce too. I'm Mm -hmm. going through divorce. We're both going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And, but, so we kind of connected on that. So then, and at the same time, one of my clients said, Hey, I'm going to the Hamptons. I got a job. One of my good friends. And he's like, I got a job in the Hamptons bartending and I was turning the clippers off. And I said, right, right in the hood. I said, you got a job out there? I was like, don't be, don't be, you know, uh, about a job when you, you know, hook me up. I got five, yeah. I got four kids. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? On that note, write up a resume and I'll get it to the right person. He got it to the right person. He's a manager of the place. He's still a good friend. I'm with me and this guy is about to do something and this is be coming soon. All, right, <laughs> all right, podcast You hear about it. All but right. I'm about to do something really, really big. So this guy, he was the manager. So when he hired me, I end up, working it was a restaurant high-end restaurant and a club in the middle like with this brick patio it had beds out there you could get your bottle and everything a really cool set it was an after party for like russell simmons baby fat party puffy's white party it was this was the spot for the after party like the late late night but then you know it was amazing i, I was like i went from like cutting hand to barbershop to like working this crazy so now i'm like in my I'm like in the Hamptons killing it, you know, like uh, just my life just changed, you know. So now I'm doing two things. Now I'm cutting hair and working in the club scene, but I'm also connecting on a higher level with the Hamptons and, you know, getting out there. And, you know, at the same time, I'm me. I'm promoting myself. Hey, I cut hair. So then I just, then it became coming to work. I had to come like two or three hours earlier so I could cut the staff. Huh. I'm cutting everybody on the back deck. They're racing to go get ready. And, you know, and I'm, you know, either I'm cutting hair before or I'm cutting hair after we finish work, where it's like six in the mornings, seven in the morning, the sun's coming up, and yeah. we're counting money because we we're clubbing all night and we yeah. they're they're cleaning up and all the other stuff. I might be cutting somebody that I gotta go somewhere, you know, and I worked all night, but I, the hustle never stops because they convince me like, hey, I got I'll take care of you right now, you know, and I've always carry my clippers everywhere I go you know, that's one thing that I do. And, um, Were you having, were you having fun at this time? Having fun, but then I'm going back home and I'm going to court. Yeah. So now I had to divide where I'm going to court lowest part of my life. Then I'm going to live in the high life in the Hamptons. Right. So then the situation comes in court where now it's like, okay, you got to come up with a certain amount of money. And it was all like messed up. So I was like, okay, I got to get a lawyer. So then once I went and I got, I went and speak, one of my clients, he's a lawyer and he was going through, he was like, listen, you want to win? You got a good case. You want to win? You go with this lady.
0: And She's for context, expensive. this is all related to the divorce, right? Yep. And this is, is this child custody or what are you, what, what this is it? This was the like,
1: main? this was, yeah, this was, um, no, this was a divorce agreement. Got and it. in the agreement, she forged my signature. Got it. Okay. So I had to fight for that. We, had, we were in a mediator and I walked out. I didn't yeah. sign. I signed one piece of paper, but I didn't sign the other. I, like I would just push the stuff out of my face and Got I walked it. out. I was like, a, you know, I was emotional. I was young. Yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't trying to sign. And then I was just, I walked out. She signed the other paper and she put down spousal. How much, like she just put a number on there, how much wow. she did. And then it ended up when she filed it, it ended up like it went through. Got it. So now I had to go to the court and figure out, like, wait, that you put those paperwork through. Yeah. So now, and then I had to reopen that up, get all my like I'm looking at my signature. I'm like, whoa. So now we had a case. Yeah. And then when the lady was like, she tells me a certain number, and I'm like, I, oh my god, I can't afford you. So I I leave. Yeah. That lawyer that my friend referred me to, and I went and got too messed up, too. Lawyers that didn't really know. They just became lawyers. They just cheap, cheap, you know? And then the sheep got me in a bigger, more of a hole. Yeah. She wanted 10 grand at first. Then I get in the hole with these two people. I go back to her. I'm like, okay, I need you. She goes, well, now your retainer's retainer is 15 Mm -hmm. instead of 10. And I'm like, geez. So I'm in the Hamptons and one of the bus, one of one of the people, you know, they were like, if you can get this, you know, I, you know, you can make a lot of money. Yeah, you know, and I was just like, man, and I and I only, only smoke marijuana, I only smoke weed, you know, yeah. I never really dabbled in anything else. Sure. So they, they asked me for some other stuff, and I was just like, well, I'll, I'll see what I can do. But I'm in a bind in court, so I'm like, I gotta do, I gotta, I gotta pay for this this lawyer. Yeah. So. I did what I had to do. And from that point, I just started hustling. And then that, and I literally was like, you know,
0: so you were in survival mode, right? I was right? in
1: survival mode. So yeah.
0: you're up against a wall in your personal life. You know, you're, you're dealing with this battle with your ex-wife at the time. Um, you know, it, and, and you're kind of conflicted because you're, you're watching the high life all around you. You're yeah. watching all these people live a fabulous lifestyle where, you know, money may not appear to be that big of an issue. Uh, and there you are, you know, just kind of scrounging to make it to court um, and essentially kind of resorting to um, the last ditch effort of, of just hustling. Right. And yeah. at that point, you know, you had to do what you had to do. H- how long was that period? That first, like, that
1: back and forth, going to court, stuff like that. I end up moving into the Hamptons, moving out there so I can work. And I moved into this house where it was like a staff house. So then me, I had my own room. So my daughter, my daughter's mom, who we would, you know, we would date. She was going through a divorce. I was going through a divorce. We started, that's when we connected. Like, that's when we really, like, she came out, stayed in the room, you know, and, that's kind of like when my daughter was like conceived, you know? Yeah. So then she, uh, my, then my daughter was born. Right. And we're still going through the divorce. Cause it's like five years deep. So the first yeah. couple of years of my daughter's, you know, life, I'm still going to court.
0: You know? So now you're, you're approaching 30. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Approaching 30. Now you're on your fifth child. You're on the Hamptons. I'm out in the Hamptons.
1: I'm still cutting hair. I'm still hustling. I'm still doing. But now I'm like nervous. I'm watching over my shoulder because of the way I'm moving and stuff like that. Um, I'm also making money. I'm paying the lawyer. I got and I end up finishing everything. We end up going to Supreme Court and opening up the divorce. And all of that took about a lot of money. (laughs) The same amount of money she was trying to get from me. I had to pay my lawyer. It was, wow. like, crazy. But then at the end of the day, the time that I was, like, not paying, you know, that time that, you know, I was, those years of, of the divorce, that's what I ended up having to pay, you know. You know, the court thing happened. Then um, my daughter, my, you know, my daughter, like I said, my daughter was born. So now I got all five of my kids. And, and now they're just older. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. What, what else is, uh,
0: so... <laughs> you know, I, I, after, you know, I, I, it's crazy. I mean, you, you were juggling a lot at one point. And while you knew you had this art that you were trying to maybe pursue, it was more around, you know, meeting your demands and your responsibility at that point, making sure that your kids are in a good spot. We won't dive into your personal relationship with each of your kids. But, you know, from what I gathered, it was important to you to make sure that they were taken care of. But eventually things got caught up with you and, 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 you know, what you were doing out there in the Hamptons. You want to talk a little bit about that experience and and how that went down?
1: Yeah. So at the same, like I said, like when you're hustling, I was looking over my shoulder a lot. wasn't comfortable, but it did catch up. You know, I I just was in a bad, I got in trouble twice. Both times I was in a bad spot. I was where I wasn't supposed to be and they kind of searched me and found it on me and that's kind of how it went down for me and then but when I when I went away it it taught me something you know it taught me um I end up going to this program right it's like a military program and you get there and you run every day you 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 go to school on the weekends you know you go to church you have an option to go to church um it, it was just like mentally physically emotionally like and it was up in like an adirondacks so it was beautiful view and stuff like that i was up there during the winter and i was up there during the summer too because it was like a six-month program but it just so happened to be like in the split like the last three months of winter into the summer um so it was i fought a forest fire up there i painted churches we did so many different things, and because like in the program, then you get to go out and do like do like if you qualify to go out and work crew in this program, you go out like and you know you're in jail like but you wear a certain yeah. gear, and then there was like a forest fire up there. There was like all this stuff that happened during the time that I was there, and every day we're running three to six miles every morning. You know that changed my life because now i was i have asthma grew up with asthma and when i would run the mile at school i would like there would be a point where my side hurts and i'd be like oh that's my asthma so in this program if you don't run you don't like you eat but you eat like in the bird's nest like this Mm -hmm. is ladder that you got to climb up and hold your plate and eat at the top of the ladder while you're eating you know, and you better not spill nothing. And like, it's, it's crazy. So it was like all these things that you don't want to be, you don't want to be the last guy, all of these things. Right. So I had to fight for it. But then pushing through, I became a runner, you know, and um, that really changed my life because it's just something about running that it, it just gives, it just, it just makes me feel powerful. You know, it makes me feel like most in control of myself. That that I've ever been, you know. And then another thing that happened is I started reading. So then, when I read, I became into another world. I was reading like if I was watching a movie or something. I would like like literally like come out of the the, the page or the the story or whatever, and like look and then realize that oh my god, I'm in, I'm sitting in jail. You know, <laughs> I, I forgot where I was reading. So it was with all of that. And then I shredded down in my mental it was like the worst thing being taken away and going being away from my kids, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me mentally, physically, emotionally, at the time in my life so it's at this point, I really feel like I'm on a path from God, like God definitely has me on a path because I've messed up several times, like I had kids young I, I did all these things that's not normal or things that you, you know, that are harder for you to grow. Naturally, like you know, I kind of like I, I, I live my life backwards. You know, <laughs> people have kids later. I had kids first, and now I'm kind of living the single life now. Like it's like I'm going backwards, you know. But mm-hmm. it's good because I'm living my second half of my life, which is the best part of my life. I get to hang out, play key, play with my grandkids. You know, and um, I got grandkids. By the way, <laughs> my daughter has a kid. My son has three kids now, so I got four grandkids you know, and, um, and they're precious, you know? And then what I'm going to do is really dedicate myself to my grandkids more and give myself more, be present more like than, than I was, you know what I'm saying? Or better Mm -hmm. than what I was with my kids, because obviously I was young trying to figure it out. Um, obstacles came. But then the quality time that like established parents would give to their kids is what my kids didn't get, you know, but I did do the best that I could. Like when I'm in the Hamptons, there'll be occasions where I race home to get my kids because after a while being in the Hamptons and being around that high end lifestyle, I was like, I I wanted my kids to experience. And it wasn't no fun after a while. The first couple of years was like, wow, wow. But then it became no fun when my family wasn't, I'm just there yeah, enjoying it. And in my, my family's not. So then little by little, I met friends, I met contacts and I would bring my kids out. People would love, you know, seeing my kids. And so they didn't even know that I had kids and, you know, but I'll be on, I'm almost on the grind, you know, but I'd really like certain occasions I'd like get a hotel with the pool, have my kids just run around and then feel real good, you know, sent my mom every year to Disney with my kids, you know, um one year I sent her down I sent the kids and my mom down, my and my 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 dad too. And then when they came back, I did my mom's whole house over. I took I did like took out the the kitchen and liver. I did the brand new kitchen living room skylights. My mom came pulled in the driveway and was crying. You Incredible. know and um I just you know I, I definitely had some downfalls but then I always would come back you
0: know um yeah your story your story, bounce, your story is beautiful is crazy. yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a beautiful journey and it, it's it's great to hear you talk about you know your periods of rehabilitation and um you know where where you realized um certain things like the importance of being present for your family now and and kind of looking at it as an opportunity i mean right like i always kind of say that there's really no such thing as failure it's mm-hmm. more so just an opportunity to learn and sometimes you know as humans we're just stubborn with regards to when we finally you know take that next step and and say okay like i'm i'm going to put that behind me and and acknowledge what went down and make sure that going forward i control what i can control and that's what i'm hearing from you and so you know it, it's loaded in the sense that you did experience life a comprehensive aspect of life that a lot of people will see over a lifetime, probably by the time you were probably the time you were thirty five, and you know, I, I think from what I'm hearing, a part of it you're grateful for because I think that a lot of times when you find yourself in those pits, you open up learning experiences that most people couldn't understand over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, you know, and I think that you have that vision that, to your point, is going to really Resonate for the remainder of your lifetime. Now, yeah, like you've seen some shit. Like let's let's put it point blank. You've seen some shit that you know the majority of the people out there have no idea even exists.
1: Exactly, and but it's it's, like like when I tell you God has me on a path, I really because like I've messed up, and then He'll like you know pick me up and put another backpack on my back, which double with doing the first one. You know, and then I'm like, wait a minute, okay, I'm here to do do something. And then like everywhere, I've noticed that even though, like, if I'm in a barbershop, I'm definitely the top guy in the shop. Okay, if I go to jail, I'm not, you know, I'm the guy that's cutting hair, cutting everyone's hair you know, and then the OGs come up to me and they see I'm reading and I'm by myself. I'm not part of the gang stuff. And if I'm not reading, I'm cutting hair. If I'm not cutting hair, I'm sleeping or I'm working out. You know, I'm always doing something, but I'm always taking the good and and, and, and making it better. Or, or I'm, I'm, I'm a, definitely an asset in the room. Right. But going back to reading, I end up reading in there and I came across the old, like old barbering and stuff. Back the, history, in the, of bar- the history of barbers. Right, history. I read a lot about old school history, and it inspired me because out of nowhere, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm finding out that the first barbers were doctors, and the Barber Surgeons Union was established in France, where my last name is French. And I felt like if I don't have meaning, I'm like this is meaning all day. Like I'm cutting hair it came from like, I just, it's just, this, my story just became full circle. And I was in a place where now I'm in the lowest place. I'm in car, I'm in jail, but I'm in the bottom. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm the light is like bright as hell. And I'm just like, whoa, like if I found a, 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 a treasure chest, like I opened the treasure chest. It's like you yeah. found the
0: secret code, but it, you have to, to get all the way, you know, the bottom of the pit to find it. To uh, find it, and, and I
1: was just like, whoa. So then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, okay. It's not about me being here at this moment. It's about where I'm about to go. So at that moment, I'm like, oh. It didn't, I, I wasn't racing to get out of there. I mean, I was, of course I wanted to get the hell out of there, but I knew when I got out, I, I was coming, I was, I was touching down for a reason. I was about to take off. And that was, be, that my, became my conversation the last couple of months. The second that I read that, it was like halfway in. Now the last couple of months, because we were like 60 dudes and, in, in, you know, and we had this cipher that we would all have to say, like a good thing, a bad thing, and how we want to move forward, right? And I would always talk. And when talk, I talk, all these guys, we sat in a circle and they would all just listen to me. And I was like, this is not my reality. When I get out of here, like you guys got to find what your thing is. And that's what you, what your gift is. And I got my gift, you know? So when I get out of here, I'm about to take my gift to the highest level. And one of my friends that I was in there where he's my bunkie, mm-hmm. he's friends with me still mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. When he hits me up, it's like, I can feel, it, that, that's what he knows what I was saying when I didn't have nothing We yeah. were sitting together. We didn't have nothing, you know, and I was just saying stuff and I came out and I'm, I'm doing actually what my dream, what I said I was doing, you know, I said, I'm gonna cut, I'm gonna be cutting celebrities. Now I cut Ray Donovan.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know? That's but, the perfect yeah. encapsulation of what mile 40 is trying to capture. Right. Yeah. And, and and the way that I always envisioned mile 40 and, you know, my own personal narrative around my mile 40 was you have this moment in life where, you know, your past and your present kind of meet. And like, you kind of have this vision that goes through your head of like everything that you had been through. And then you kind of have this click where it's like, oh my God, the vision ahead is so bright. And yeah. I can accomplish anything and no one can get in my way because I finally found my purpose. And so it's beautiful hearing you talk about it. And you know, you mentioned always being a leader in your craft. And I remember when I had met you, you had been working with an app at the time. Uh, and I had met one of the partners overseeing the app and they essentially said, look, like Devin is our top guy. Essentially what you just said, like if I'm gonna be in a barber shop, I wanna be the top barber and I wanna mm-hmm. be the guy. And, you know, that's how I met you. I met you as the guy that was known as being the guy. Like we don't let this guy out, you know, unless, you know, he's going to the top clientele or, you know, he's the person that we want in front of, you know, the the right people. And so at that point, I didn't know about your narrative, but I had only known you to be the top of your craft. One of the things that I've learned, you know, from from our conversations is now how you're giving back. Now how you're giving back as a result of your craft. So if you can talk a little bit about that and how you got here, where now it's no longer just about you. It's also about, you know, what you're giving through your craft.
1: Yes. So I actually woke up after going through everything, you know, coming out of jail, going through parole and stuff like that and all my stipulations and stuff right from from going through stuff like that you have to come out and go through all this this process and earning the respect back from my friends and my family and you know dev went to jail you know that whole stigma and but then when you when I go to jail and when I come back out and I'm like opening up my own barbershop you know bouncing back like cutting back cutting hair on fifth you know and cutting Manhattan on Fifth Avenue you know it's just my comeback is crazy to where I don't even have to like say anything, you know, I may, I messed up now. I, so it was one birthday that I woke up and I felt like, okay, I want to give back. And I said, I want to do something. So I was kind of thinking of that like days before my birthday. And then one of my friends, one of my really good friends, JJ San Savarino, he plays the guitar and he was doing a benefit concert. And and, and on Grove Street in Manhattan. And there was a a soup kitchen representative there, right? This guy named Hayward from from Chips Soup Kitchen in Brooklyn. And they stood up and he stood up and he was like, I want to thank everybody for your donations. You know, this is going to go. And he was sitting right next to me. So he sat back down. And then when he sat down, I I reached over to him. I was like, listen, how can I come and help out? Get some haircuts. And that was back in 2016. So for like a good four years straight, right before the pandemic, I was cutting the homeless once a month. I would go there once a month, cut all, and then they became like my my people, you know, like the guy, they'd all know me there. I would I would get there a little early, you know, help. Clean up and stuff because they feed everybody, and then once they're done, we move the tables, we clean up the floors and everything, and then I make my little area where I cut hair, and these guys get on a line. Yeah, they I make mean, it on this list. Yeah, and then it went. The list went from like ten to like 30 yeah so i would have to go there like two hours i'm cutting like 30 heads and then like you know then eventually hayward was like hey the guys are saying where are their barbers where hmm. they look, they want their barber oh. <laughs> so i you know i'm like the house barber and you know and i'm talking to these guys and these guys are like different people I mean, they the same but they just have different type of addictions and different yeah. situations you know one guy, he drives a truck and I'm like, he just like, if I could just get back to driving trucks, man. And I'm like, yo, you could do it. You know, yeah. you could do it. He's like, you know, so I, I'm kind of like motivating them too, and it just, it just, it just feels good. It feels good for me. It doesn't matter if it's the homeless. It doesn't matter if it's celebrity clients, it feels yeah. good to make, help people look their best.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's where I feel like that's the, the gift that God has me here. And that's why I feel like now transition into that, to like this superhero character yeah. that I've developed where, you know, it's the first superhero barber, you know, and I'm going to kind of have it explain the history of barbering. Talk and, about that
0: a little bit more, you know, yeah. just, for con- just for context. When you I'm say superhero talk- barber, what are you working on?
1: superhero Barbara I'm, I'm p- putting together a story where it's kind of like everything I just said you know it's I'm gonna have some of it my reality and some of it history so pretty much the way my life kind of went growing up cutting hair and uh, daycare and stuff like that my mom's daycare and then you know get finding my craft but in the, the superhero story I'm gonna go back to like France and get like the knowledge of the, su- the su- barber surgeons and add that to like the history of how barbers were doctors and then kind of do that whole teaching and, and then bring out like this superhero character that like has a barbershop or has a chain of barbershops, right? He has a chain of barbershops. He moves all around, but he also cuts the homeless and he also has this like, like, and that's when it's going to, you know, when a story comes out, you'll, you'll love know it. the detail of the superpower, you know, what, one he's going to things from the homeless to celebrity clients. That's know?
0: awesome. One of the things that I really love about, you know, this series of guests that have been on the show so far is, you know, there's been a focus on everyday heroes. Right. And it's not like, you know, bringing in people who you see, in headlines as as you know people have been noted uh, for some of their efforts. It's people like you, Devin, who are applying what life has taught them through their tribulations in order to impact others. Because there's someone that could literally look at your you know story, could hear it and say, he went through a lot, five kids, you know, he had to hustle to make his money. He had two stints in jail. Like why would he ever give back? Why aren't you just taking it all for yourself at this point? You know, you deserve it because you have been through a lot and you got to catch up because you did lose out on a lot of years. You know, you you dropped out of high school. And so it speaks a lot to you uh, with regards to the fact that you've made it through what you had to deal with. And it's not so much about, okay, like now it's my time. It's, It's still, you know, a period of now that I know what my calling is, it's, it's, it's my role to make sure that I give back to others. Um,
1: you know, know, one thing that I can, I can say is that it humbled me. Everything humbled me to the point of being thankful, you know? So that's where the feeling comes, like being away from my kids. When I'm with my kids, I, I cherish the moment, you know, when I give somebody a hug, You know, when I have when I'm around, when I'm out, like I'm I'm breathing, I'm out. I'm not locked up. Like I'm thankful. Like I've been through situations where I'm super duper thankful. You know, I have people in my life, you know, different different friends, women, all these things. And like, I know I'm not perfect. But I know that I, I'm definitely taking my knowledge and energy and trying to do the best moving forward, you know? So that's where it's like, it's not a big deal for me to cut the homeless. It's not a big deal for me to 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 be humble in in living my life, you know? So yeah. the best way, like like that's my retirement. I'm gonna go go on tour and get in this, put a put a barber chair on a sprinter van and just chase down homeless. I, love and I say it. hey get over here let me get a haircut let's get a haircut my daughter's gonna have a van with showers they take a shower and I just can just take over the world one homeless person homeless family at a time I love it and and just cut them and just you know do the superhero barber thing you know and just make people feel
0: good you know I love it um so you know I'm sure there's been a lot of people that impacted you over the course of your lifetime you've mentioned a few throughout you know the, this recording you know, if you had to kind of think of one person who maybe gave you one piece of advice or, you know, helped reshift your focus one way or the other, is there anyone that comes to mind uh, yeah. throughout your journey that you'd want to, you know, shout yes. out?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's a guy named Ziggy, Ziggy, Zygman Jones. He opened up the barbershop in Central Iceland that I started working at when I was younger. Right. So he had the shop there and he got me, he gave me an opportunity to work there. He needed some barbers, he needed some help. And that's where I kind of like we had no AC. We had a fan on the chair. You know, we would like try to tilt it the best way we could to just get the best air. But that was that was back in the day. So when I was cutting at the shop Uptown Cuts, there was a guy that walked in, his name is Larry Marshall. He was a corrections officer, right? But he was also like the coach for the school and everything. You know, he has a son, son was playing ball. He became the coach, but he was like that coach guy. You know, he would come in and he would challenge me. He would say, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing three, six, nine weeks, months, years with your life? What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to own my own barbershop. Okay. Well, how how are you going to do that? And then, like, I'm like, whoa. And nobody ever asked me that. Nobody ever stopped me in my whole life and said, what are you going to do? And I was like, wow. And it just stopped. And from that point on, he became my mentor. I cut his hair every week when I went to the Hamptons, I bought him out. He became the the security team. You know, he retired from corrections. He, you know, and he ended up eventually moving down to Georgia, you know, Mm. but, and we don't actually speak anymore, but, I will never deny that he, like, and when I was in jail, I wrote to him. He wrote back, like, yeah. he, that's my guy, you know? And he was there for me. He made me feel like when I was, when I was going through all my, all my stuff, he was the one person in my life that kept saying, Hey, no, you are the best and you got to keep going. You, he made me believe in myself. And that's a That was like, you know, he was the you know he was that guy. He was that person that helped me believe, and oh, that right there, just forget it. I always had like this little cockiness, you know, but and then and then it would get to the point where the girls would say, "Oh yeah, oh you're conceited," and then I'm <laughs> like, "Wait a minute," and then it kind of like made me feel like re- a little weird about being cocky. So then I was like, "Maybe I shouldn't be cocky," but then I met like like no no
0: no go, do it. That's it. You know, you know, those are the reflections that give me shivers because you know, I, I was fortunate enough to also have a mentor in my life who essentially told me to aim high when, you know, I had every reason to believe that, you know, I had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no higher. And those are the people who I truly believe that, look, they got no stake in your success financially. They have no stake in your success. They're not, you're not their kid, like, but they're looking at you and they see something and They know how to push the right button to get you to move forward. It's like love. It's like
1: love, right? It's like and (laughs) and you
0: said it yourself that like you know you're not even in communication with him now, but you know you'll never you'll never forget what he did for you. And and so you know a, a part of you know the break barriers platform is essentially looking to move forward and propel that series of mentorship where people get that notion of. You know, you don't have to be directly invested in other people to push them forward, to go beyond their limits, to succeed, to be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so thank you so much for sharing that. You know, before we wrap up, I just want to make sure if there's anything else out there that you, um, you know, want to share with the audience with regards to the story with what you're doing now, you know, I want to give you the floor.
1: I just would want people to take from me and my story is what I did is I took what I, my, what I, what I, my, what I have something special, what I, what I learned how to cut hair. And that is the thing that everybody, you have something, everybody has something, you know, and if you find that something that you, that you, you know, you love and you care about that, that's something that's special in you that's the gift that God has for you. And that's what is, is, that's what you should tune in on, you know, and 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 make that a part of, because like, that's what I did. I made that my, my thing, you know, and everybody has that thing and you just have to, whatever that thing is, I want to be that reflection where people see that this is the thing that I have and I just used it You know, and I just I didn't. And it was three years where I'm like, maybe this is not the thing. I doubted it. But then once I got through it, I knew, no, no, this is it. You know, this is it. And then I've been and it's just been taking me to levels that I've never opened doors, meeting people that I've never would imagine. You know, and I'm super thankful for that. You know? Evan,
0: no doubt, you know, your journey is going to be impactful for a lot of people out there. A lot of people can relate with the peaks and valleys uh, of, of your journey. And I think it's commendable the way that you've risen up. It's amazing to see you the top of your craft. I'm proud to know you and I'm really appreciative that, you know, you gave us the time today.
1: All right. Appreciate you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the mile 40 family and let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.